And welcome back, everyone, to another edition of Going for Two, presented by our dear friends at Home Field Apparel. Recording this here on a Thursday afternoon evening, I am your host, Matt Brown. I run the Extra Points newsletter for the D1 Ticker family. I'm joined here, as always, by Brian Fisher, my colleague in this enterprise. Um, We're about halfway done with the season, which is exciting. But I don't want to talk about football games right now. It, even though it is a prime football season, this is the this is the the, the obviously the big focus on the calendar. Brian, there's been just a, a, a shocking amount of basketball on the timeline. Shocking amount of other sports being discussed here at this time of year. Why are we doing that? Well, it's it's that time of year. We we got basketball media days going on across the country. You know, the Big Ten just wrapped up theirs. ACC uh, had, had their tip off. Uh, so it's it, it is kind of uh, getting back into that mood uh, for for hoops. And in addition to all of that, you have everything that's kind of going on in in the larger NCAA apparatus that I think is refocusing everybody in terms of hey, these might be the changes coming towards not only the men's basketball tournament, but also the women's side. Uh, there's yeah. there's going to be a women's NIT uh, run by the, the – there's already a women's NIT, but a, a women's NIT run by the NCAA uh, coming as well. A lot of changes around, as you wrote, uh, the NCAA baseball tournament potentially. So, um, you know, the the postseason structure for the NCAA, I guess, getting a little bit more pressed than it normally would uh, th- this time of year, I guess. Are you going to any of the basketball media days this year? I, I have not. I am way, way too busy you know, to, 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 get, to get out to some of those. But uh, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get out to some basketball games uh, down the road. I know that's uh, something we I've, I've talked with uh, some of the folks at, at Fox about. Um, but, you know, just uh, at this point, it's it's all football and uh, all the stuff that we're doing here at, at the D1 Ticker family as well. It, that is taking up uh, quite a bit of my time as well. So finding the actual time to, to, to get out uh, to a basketball game might be a little bit of a challenge right now. But, uh, you know what, after that, after that uh, national title game, you never know. I mean, that, I mean, that's that's often how it is for outlets that are covering college athletics. You might go there, there, there's there's going to be a couple of big out of conference games in in November and early December, but it's generally football, football, football. I, I felt kind of bad because like I've gone to the Big Ten event several times, but this year it's it was in Minneapolis, and I get why they did that. Like that's that's a Minneapolis. A lot of complaints of, about that too. A lot, I mean, like I get it because that is a gigantic women's basketball city, and that's that they haven't been hosting a whole lot of events, but. Even though it's not that far, it was just like there's no way I could commit to spending any money and burning two days to come up to this thing. I, I know coaches were, coaches will bitch about anything. Like they'll complain if the events in their backyard because I don't actually have to talk to people. Um, but yeah, I don't think I don't think I'm going to get to any either. Um, hopefully, some more basketball games again. Similar situation, right? We can all breathe. But at, at a lot of those media events, you're right. You've I mean, uh, ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips was taking the lead on this, but he's not the only guy that's been talking about potentially expanding the NCAA men's and women's basketball tournament. And friends, if you have been listening to going for two, or if you've been reading extra points, this should not surprise you because Brian, we've been talking about this for like an entire year. This was, this was part of the narrative when we were leaving the NCAA convention, we've talked about it, uh, you know, much earlier in the NCAA transformation process, uh, or committee transformation committee process. Uh, we, we, it's been brought up, I think on extra points uh, at least two months ago, uh, and now the fact that more commissioners and more ADs and more administrators are willing to talk about it in public, I think, should belay the point here that um, this is not just a message board hypothetical. We, I think we're getting to the point where there's going to be some real conversations. I will say, though, I don't know if you've been hearing differently, the tenor of those conversations, specifically around the men's basketball tournament, are different now than they were last winter 
or even over the summer, I am not getting nearly as much apocalyptic concern that the A-Suns and OVCs and the NACs of the world are going to be banished to outer darkness. My reading on this is we're probably talking about going from 68 to like 74 or 78 more than going to 90 or going to 68, but we're, we're kicking all the pores out. Does that line up kind of with what you've been reading between the lines and hearing from folks? Yeah, and, and I think you got to kind of set a, against the, the backdrop, as, as we've mentioned quite a few times, just in terms of, all right, well, who is actually in this this large Division One right now? You know, are, are we going to cut a few schools? Are we going to add some more schools? You know, the, the, the pool of, of Division One schools could end up growing, you know, down the road. So I think there's kind of a, a viewpoint of, hey, we, we got a lot more schools. Let's let's make sure that uh, there is, there's the requisite access, you know, in terms of percentages um, to the NCAA tournament, really the, the, the biggest one around. And I, I think I, I do get the sense, you know, like you were saying that uh, – from, from those smaller leagues, they're, they're a little bit more comforted uh, about some of the conversations they're having. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll know for sure for, for a lot of this stuff in, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, there's there's a board meeting at the end of the month um, where a lot yeah. of this stuff is not only expected to kind of get 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 rolled out, but uh, also voted on as well. There's some in-person meetings in Indianapolis yep. as well. So uh, we, we should have some, some more clarifying details. But I, I do get the sense that uh, this is kind of a train that um, you know, is, is, is almost a runaway at this point, you know, that there's going to be some sort of expansion and, and truthfully, we, we've kind of seen some of the breadcrumbs already coming out of the NCA. I mean, you, you look at the women's tournament that they've moved to some, some changes on the, on the models on that side, they're, they're only going to be two, uh, you know, regional sites next year and, and, and kind of going forward, but they're also doing kind of pods, um, you know, at, at the various, uh, sub regionals as well. So that, that's kind of where you can kind of play in instead of having that first four in Dayton every single year, basically some of those regional sites could end up hosting, uh, another set of four teams and, and that being the first four at, at each of those four spots so th- there, there's a lot of things that that could be end up going on and, and going into this but um you know a lot of things i i think that everybody's kind of coming around to saying you know what th- this there, there's not much stopping this and, and i think there's a, a little general general reg- resignation uh, as well at some of these changes ended up ha- are, are going to end up happening i want to take maybe a quick step back in case you are listening to this and do not have the same kind of brain worms that i have and have been kind of following this really closely when you talk about expanding the men's basketball tournament on Twitter, or even when you talk to a lot of basketball coaches, the feedback is usually overwhelmingly negative, right? The tournament is perfect as it is. Why are we messing with something that's not broken? I want to explain the argument as I understand it, both the stated argument and maybe the more cynical argument for why you reevaluate this. And then we could talk about what that might mean for some other postseason events here too. So as one commissioner was explaining it to me um, over the phone earlier this week, we moved to a 64 team model and then, you know, kind of tweaked it to the, you know, 64 ish where we have now in the early eighties. And that made sense. Uh, But division one was like 260 teams then. And we've added dozens and dozens and dozens of schools. The growth has not been any more near proportional to the growth of division one as a whole. In fact, you could argue that there's less championship access now for smaller leagues uh, given, given how the automatic bids are distributed than there was in earlier uh, parts of the tournament. Uh, that has been true for other sports as well. And that's why, as our, our friend Matt Norlander at CBS reported, that the language to potentially bring this uh, you know, out would be to set a standard uh, proportion for any postseason size. You can go up to 25% of the total teams playing that sport if you want to. So if you went up to 25 for men's basketball, I think we're looking at like 90 which is not something I have heard anybody that has any sort of push or sway within college sports, like really advocating for. 
But you can look at this as you know maybe another small tweak as a way of improving equity, given what Division One actually looks like. Um, if you make a small tweak here too, if you move from sixty-eight to if you add in like two extra play-in games or something, you have like a Dayton play-in pod and a Vegas play-in pod or whatever. Are you is the NCAA making a gajillion more dollars? No, we don't really. I don't know if if there's certainty about what how much ter- more Turner would pay for that or what that does for the um, for the tournament as a whole. But a relatively small tweak, especially if these games are like our midweek games. That's not going to we're not talking about new revenue like college football playoff new revenue here. Right. Like that, that's not the only reason to do it, although everyone's always looking for a few nickels and quarters and dimes in in the in, in the couch cushions as well. So that's part of this reason. Then you also have coaches who might prefer it because, hey, if it's easier to make the NCAA tournament, you might get some job security or that's something else that you can pitch while you are recruiting and that you're adding four or six or eight more auto bid or uh, at large bids, probably at least two of them are going to go to somebody outside the power six, um, which, which, you know, may, may help with some kind of uh, other equity issues there as well. I, it's just me personally. I don't know how you feel about this, Brian. I'm not a gigantic college basketball guy to begin with, but I don't feel like adding two more play in rounds will irreparably damage the character of the NCAA tournament. Um, I, I think the tournament's also going to be mostly the same. It'll just now feature more Florida State or more Penn State or more Wofford or so. I don't know. Like, you know, one, one of those. I think moving it to 90 or changing how the automatic bid structure set up, that would be a pretty significant change. What do you think? Well, I think this is also a lot of uh, a big distraction point by the the fact that we have not heard much about the the revenue changes that uh, could end up becoming coming a part of this NCAA tournament structure. And, and I think that is uh, just yeah. you know the size of the tournament and, and, and expansion. Those are the big headlines that are things you know generating things. About and money. The difference is is uh, how is that money going to get filtered down? And and that to me is is kind of the the bigger over, overarching point point that I know a lot of administrators are are a little bit more concerned about uh, even so than than championship access at this point. And and look. I, I think it, you're right. If you add another couple of games and, and another couple of round or a round and a half or whatever it might be, um, you know, to, to kind of fill things out. Sure. I, I don't think that necessarily changes the, the, the massive structure. I think the NCAA tournament right now is working pretty well. If you're throwing a, a couple of extra teams in, I know this is a concern for, for a lot of folks. They, they think, all right, well, this is going to go to those Virginia Techs, those Texas A&Ms, the, you know, those teams that are power five teams on the bubble. And you can understand that thinking, but you know, somebody else uh, pointed out to me as, as well, you know, if that goes to a regular season champion of, of some of those uh, mid-major leagues that ends up getting knocked out in their conference tournament, who, let's face it, just because of RPI and everything that, that goes into it or their net rating, you know, they, they probably would not have st- stood a chance of making the field anyway. If that yeah. this now allows them to get in, it, it can be a good thing uh, for the tournament. So I, I think there are kind of two sides to the coin. If those teams are the ones that are actually, you know, being seated by the committee and getting put into it, I, I think there's there's going to be a lot going on surrounding the NCAA tournament moving forward. You're going to have a, a lot of talking points. I think at the end of the day, we, we just got to kind of see the actual final proposal um, that is, ends up getting voted on because I, I think there could be some changes coming to it. Um, and 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 rightfully so, because there's not going to be a whole lot of time to talk about it. But um, you know, at the end of the day, I, you're you're right. I, I don't think there's going to be just this massive like, all right, well, this is not the, the the tournament that I grew up on with 64 teams, and you know, like you know, we'll we'll eventually get to that point where you know, it's, all right, well, this is the the real tournament's kind of starting. This that 64 team bracket that that everybody um, you know gets excited over. But um, you know, I, I think it'll still be the the same crazy upsets, the 
still have the Cinderella runs that uh, we're, we're used to seeing. Uh, does it tilt the field a little bit towards the power fives? Of course it does. But you know what? That, that's that's life now in, in college athletics. I do not have the reservoir of indignation to get super mad online about this. You did actually touch on something else that I think is really important for the non-men's basketball stuff about RPI and about how the not just how the money is distributed, but how you're picking who gets in. So I wrote earlier this week on Extra Points. This is one of the free newsletters, so, so I, I'd encourage you to read it if you haven't, where I, I asked people about what they think about expanding the baseball tournament, which is 64 teams. And baseball is, is a unique sport in that unlike basketball, the team on the bubble, like one who barely makes the tournament, they can win the whole thing. Ole Miss literally, we just, saw today. Yeah. literally <laughs> just did that. But I mean, even before then, like Coastal Carolina, I don't think was like a two seed uh, when, when they won the tournament. Fresno State was like one of the, the last teams in the tournament back in like, what, 2009, I think, or thereabouts. And, and they won the whole damn thing. Baseball is, I think, like hockey, where if you you have pitchers who are playing out of their skulls or, like, or in hockey, if you have one really hot goalie, you can it's not just you can score a couple of upsets, you can win the tournament, right? And so you could, I think, much more credibly argue in baseball, there are championship caliber teams that are not part of this event. I don't think you can say that in men's basketball. Like, yeah, one of the one of the uh, the play-in teams, like one of those bubble teams, they might make the sweet 16. But I don't think anyone's thinking like that 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 wake that Virginia Tech team that went seven to nine in ACC play is going to win the actual tournament. They might win a game. They might win two games, might win three games. They're not going to win the thing, right? And what, what I was hearing from the baseball community, I talked, to, I talked to some coaches, talked to some ADs, talked to a few commissioners, was pretty significantly, we're not against expanding the baseball tournament in principle. We'd have to look at the logistics of how to do it. We'd have to look at what that means for schedules and, and venue availability. But we're more concerned about how. Um, basketball has the net, which is like the RPI, but repurposed. And hockey has pairwise ratings which is a i think a much more explicit like a structured way of picking teams baseball still using the rpi and as you probably remember brian and maybe some of our listeners do too um most people hate the rpi and then like during the year schools were gaming it so shamelessly that they'd cancel midweek games even when the weather was perfectly fine just like ah you would be bad for the computers and so what i was hearing more is like do i want to if we if you go from 64 to 68 and we keep the same system for picking teams, which is pretty transparently baloney. I would vote against it, not because I, I, I'm a, I, just because I, out of principle, I don't want to do something that that's that doesn't benefit my kind of schools or you know hurt student outcomes in this way. Uh, I don't want to I don't want to make a tweak just so the SEC can get 19 teams in, in the baseball tournament every single year. So we'll see if there's some momentum to shift that. I have heard similar complaints from volleyball. Uh, uh, SWAs and from some coaches about like, hey, this RPI system makes it impossible for us to affordably schedule games. It's it's it doesn't it's not a great pre- predictor of who's actually good. Let's do something different. You know what Those are the kind of. I mean, like if we can just hire Ken Palm to make a better efficiency statistic for every sport, I think that would be a good use of NCAA money. But I'm just that's just, that's just my opinion. Well, I'm pretty sure Ken Palm is is included on the team sheet uh, that the selection committee is, is using uh, nowadays, as along with the net ratings and, yeah, and for, things like, that have been made to literally, to, yeah. But you know, and you, you know, I mean, basketball, you have so many different metrics. I mean, you you can look up you know some of the synergy stuff and 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 all the things that go into basketball nowadays in terms of the the analytics and stats. It's it's much more advanced. Baseball is is not even close to to where that is, and that's kind of where that that gaming of the RPI kind of came up. I, I know we've discussed, I, I believe, on a previous show here, and I'm going for two. So. 
So, you know, it, it's just unique to, to each individual sport. And, and I think you got also got to keep in mind that as we talk about all of this and we talk about these things coming out of the transformation committee, you know, there, there are some mundane NCAA rules that govern some of these things like field size that, you know what, that frankly are kind of all one size fits all. And that yeah. kind of needs to be adjusted so that, you know, what, the, the volleyball tournament can expand and maybe the basketball one doesn't expand as much as we kind of thought, but you know what, this other sport kind of needs that uh, kind of baseline rule in there. So there are some of those minor things as well from a, uh, I, I guess even a compliance issue that uh, you kind of say, all right, well, we, we kind of need a little extra here. And, and so some of that I, I think is, is also kind of being included in, in these type of discussions as well. It's funny that baseball doesn't have as elaborate or prescriptive of an advanced stats tool in college baseball, given that like no sport has more <laughs> analytics community period than baseball, right? Like it's, it's a little bit harder for soccer. Or it's been a little bit harder for hockey where the supporting infrastructure hasn't caught up. You know, we can do play charting for football and, and for basketball. It's not so bad. You would think we could do something better for baseball. I suspect it's more of no one's just done it yet because it hasn't been someone's priority. So I invite you, the listener to fix this problem for us or for, for the fixed college athletics. Um, we're going to follow this, I think, more over over uh, the, the the coming couple of weeks. Obviously, the, the college basketball tournaments are going to are going to be the biggest story in this world. But what happens with soccer? Uh, I've heard that there's been some conversation about changing how teams are seated. Uh, there's well, some, that that's already even happening. This this, yeah. uh, this upcoming uh, set of tournaments for for the yeah. soccer's uh, they're, they're basically changing kind of half of of the bracket in in terms of how things are seated. So like that, there are some changes already kind of going on. But uh, I think everybody expects coming out of the tr- transformation committee, this is going to lead to even those 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 even bigger overarching themes uh, at, at the very sport levels. Uh, if you know anything, you should leak it to us. My email is matt at extrapointsmb.com. I have Signal. I I would read my cell phone number over the air here, but uh, you guys are a bunch of weirdos. But if if you want it, it's not hard to get. People do find it. Uh, I would love to know, uh, dear listener, what you think about uh, this process. I promise you there is nothing too inside baseball or nerdy for us. That is literally what we do. Um, speaking of excelling at your lane and knowing exactly what it is that you that you do and what you offer the world, let me quickly talk about our good friends at Home Field Apparel. They make comfortable, unique conversation starter collegiate licensed apparel. I am wearing a West Virginia hoodie. It is now garbage weather here in Chicago, which means that this is now part of my uniform. Um, we, have, we have moved away from the T-shirt and and and, uh, and gym shorts uniform. We are now shifting to the hoodie uniform and then eventually later the hoodie and the Carhartt jacket uh, once things get really gnarly. But I have a bunch of these because they're extremely comfortable. Uh, and, you know, it's got a great little vintage logo, right? You are – is that the blaster, the uh, the Colorado yeah. School of Mines Dynamite Mule? Um, maybe my single favorite shirt in the entire collection because I would never think about the Colorado School of Mines ever. If it wasn't for the fact that I've been made aware of of this, I mean, well, I don't yeah. know. there there is a connection between Colorado School and Mines and West Virginia. If if you can walk walk me through people. it, walk me besides expertise uh, uh, and blowing things up. Well, if you if you remember uh, back in the day uh, when when West Virginia was hanging seventy on Clemson, you know one of the I, the great uh, things that they they used to affect was a play from the Colorado School of Mines. So was that Bob Stitt? Oh, Stitt happens. Oh yeah. Oh, that's right. I, 
That's right. Where is where is Bob Stitt these days? Uh, I believe he's an analyst. He's he's jumped around at a couple of places. I'm not uh, not sure where this year he is at, but uh, I, I I'll have to look it up. I'll have to I, figure that out. But I, I know he's been an analyst at a couple uh, Power Five schools re- recently. The last couple of years, I lost track of him after he left Montana. Bob Stitt, if you're listening, uh, the email is Matt at extrapointsmb.com. Um, sure, I just love to talk in general. Um, but even if you're not Bob Stitt or somebody that used to be employed uh, at the Colorado School of Mines or whose handiwork helped absolutely embarrass Clemson on national television, which I don't know, I, I enjoyed watching. That was a fun game. Uh, all of you can buy stuff at Home Field Apparel and get comfortable T-shirts, hoodies, sweatpants. Um, I wouldn't say the stickers are comfortable necessarily, but they, they do a great job of sticking to stuff which is what you want out of stickers. Um, you can find all of that at homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code extra points to save 15% off of your first order uh, to help keep this show going and keep us clothed in home field apparel stuff. Um, that's kind of the, the, the big thing. I, I, Brian, I understand that you have been beyond just talking to me and beyond Fox and all the good joining uh, collegiate sports connect stuff. You had uh, a very interesting guest on head coach you that I think you wanted to be able to share some of that uh, on this show here. Right. Uh, yeah, we actually had uh, had had a chance to uh, stop by and, and chat with uh, Dave Clawson on on this week's episode. We got a very special one uh, coming next week. I, I won't uh, won't say who it is, but it is a very important topic, very special topic. And uh, so I, I think uh, for, for anybody out there that uh, is is enjoying, uh, you know, kind of what we're doing here on Going for Two, I think you will like Head Coach U. It's, uh, we, we got a lot of uh, a lot of pretty excellent uh, head coaches book as guests uh, going to take that uh, show to the next level. So uh, make sure you're subscribed wherever, um, you know, you get this here podcast. And uh, hopefully everybody's listening in because uh, it, it, it's great information, not just about things like how you, how you run the slow mesh or anything like that, or, or how you, how that kind of came about at, there at Wake Forest, but, but also like, you know, what, what what's your bio week structure like? How, how do you work with your athletes? How do you work with your staff? You know, I think a lot of the administrators, um, you know, certainly the, that I've gotten messages from have, have uh, really enjoyed those parts to where they're kind of getting, getting into the mind of, of some of these head coaches. And certainly Bronco himself, you know, has a very unique approach and, and philosophy towards college football that he gets to share with, with guests. And, um, you know, Dave Clausen was, was certainly one of them. Um, I, I love that because I, I, I feel like we have taught, know enough ADs and enough SWAs and enough people on the television side and the other kind of college football and college sports industrial complex where we could, we could have some of those conversations. We would know what to ask, but I, I know for me, I am not the quote unquote ball knower. And there are other people that are more equipped to have that kind of conversation. I could not sit here and, and properly explain how a playbook deploy works or how you manage a staff or how you could talk about meaningful academic achievement within a football team or discuss various philosophies. But I love getting into the weeds about that, especially because I'm a, I'm a regular consumer of football. I would be interested in hearing a volleyball coach do this too. That's what makes this particular program great. I think that fills a niche uh, that people interested in this show would be interested in that they can't get from us specifically. Um, so well, yeah, why don't we real quick, let's go, uh, let's stop listening to me. Let's bring in Dave Clausen and uh, hear what he had to say. Thrilled to be welcomed as always by former Virginia and BYU coach Bronco Mendenhall. And Bronco, we have another guest this week, somebody really special uh, that, that you know well, Dave Clausen, the head coach at Wake Forest. Dave, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me on. Brian and Bronco, and I've listened to every one of them, and I, I really enjoy it. And I think you guys are doing a great job, and I'm sure for everybody in the, in the coaching industry has benefited from this. One of the, the things check Brian, is in the mail for that. 
Yeah, one of the things, Brian, that um, I don't know is the way this works for those that are listening is is I, I kind of uh, choose who comes on. And, you know, when someone's impacted my life along the way, either as a coach or a professional or as a human being, right, that I think can add value to this profession that needs leadership at, at probably now more than ever. And young people need leadership now more than ever. Um you know, that's how you qualify. And so Dave and I got to know each other when I first came to the CC. And um, what's so impactful is the place that Dave coaches at Wake Forest is very unique and specific. And sometimes, right, that the outside world thinks that excludes you from being able to have really strong success football wise. And I, I just don't believe that. And I know Dave doesn't either. And then eventually you find the right scheme, the right strategy, the right leadership, the right people you get the right fit uh, and things start to come to fruition that in spite of, or, or the, the, maybe the weaknesses perceived at a school become strengths with the right coach and the right leader. And that's what I think Dave has done. And so I just thought there'd be so many lessons that others could learn from having Dave on, not only as a leader and a coach, but as a person. And so that's, that's how you get qualified to, to be on. So we're just, we're so good to have you, Dave. Well, I'm honored Bronco and, you know, the respect that I have for you. And I don't know if I would have got through the COVID season without you, you know, mm. those Monday and Tuesday that. talks uh, of what we were doing and the purpose of it. Uh, those are very challenging times. And uh, I don't know if I could have got through that 2020 season without some of the advice and counsel that you were giving me. So I feel the same way. Well, I, I, I want to touch upon that uh, here here in just a little bit. But but before we do, Dave, you just came off a, a big win a, against Army. And, and Bronco, I know you guys ended up playing uh, quite a few of those triple option teams. Uh, when you were back in at your BYU days, you played Air Force quite a bit uh, in the Mountain West. Now, I'm curious, f- from your standpoint, what, what's more difficult to prepare for? Is, is it that triple option teams, uh, especially maybe on, on a short week, or is it Dave's slow mesh that uh, you got got to worry about as a defensive guy? Man, that, that's that's a tough question. So the, the triple option, because that was so that is so distinct and different and the teams that do it well, it, it takes you to a whole, whole other place. And and quite frankly, the, the best part of playing a triple option team, which was my favorite, by the way, regardless of outcome, because of the fundamentals and the challenge and just rethinking like all what you know about football and does it fit when you play a team like that? So just when we kind of became option defense experts um, and, and kind of got that dialed in, um, then we took a, a shellacking playing Navy one year at, at Virginia as I was trying to help those kids kind of learn how to defend the option, right? Which was sometimes you have to go through it before you, you try it. And then we played Dave my first year, maybe the first shoot right at the beginning of my career at Virginia. And and the slow mesh was slow and not meshing as well. Uh, and, but Dave's team won. And then the next time we played, it was, oh, it's slow and it's meshing pretty dang well. And then the next time it was this thing, what, whatever this is, this is formidable. And so it's been fun for Dave to see the vision that he had and then the continuity and the stick to Because a lot of times, you know, people abandon things when it's not just perfect. And the stick to with the foresight of what it could become and the advantage that could lend. And man, you add a couple of receivers on the outside of that when you're meshing and slowing and running and, and having to deal with that. And then the RPO-ish action, and you just end up with one-on-ones 
And that's a tough deal. And so anyway, the foresight for all that, I'm not sure which is harder, but they're both really hard. And, and that's a credit to the designer. Dave, I'll flip that question around for you. Playing that triple option, you know that you're going to have some some limited possessions there just because of the, the clock that they're going to soak up. Does that put any additional pressure on, on you and your staff in terms of, hey, we, we, we got to score at some time? Is there that that feeling that, hey, we, we got to do a little bit more every time we have the football? Absolutely. And I think whenever you play a triple option team, whether it be Army, Navy, one of the academies, is there's so much emphasis put on the defense of defending a different style of attack and playing, uh, you know, the, the cut blocks and the different formations and all the different motions they run. But it's a team game. And the offense is part of that is you're not going to get a lot of possessions and you better score when you get the football. And so you go into that game saying, you know, for every three times you get the ball, you better score at least twice. Cause if you ever allow those teams to get ahead of you, it becomes a really long day. And yet if you can jump out to a lead and make them play from behind, then at times they're forced to do things they're not as comfortable doing. So, you know, it's not just about how are you going to defend it, but the offense plays a huge role in that. And, uh, you know, a year ago we played army up at, at West point and we won 70 to 56. <laughs> and, uh, wow. you know, I, and I don't know, you know, th th this year, you know, we had a little different scheme, uh, but I think the biggest part of it is, is getting your players to embrace the challenge of defending the triple option. You know, there's so much of it of, you know, D linemen, they don't want to be cut block and, you know, it requires a, a level of discipline and focus uh, that's unique in terms of defense when you play that style. And I just think that the best job that our defensive staff did this year was just getting them to embrace the challenge of what it would take uh, to win a game like that. And then our offensive staff did a great job of, of coming up with a plan and getting the players to understand the value of every play and the value of every rep and not falling behind the chains. Because against Army, uh, a first and 10 that becomes a second and 15 becomes a third and 12. And now you're giving up a possession and you might only get eight of them. So you, you can't waste the play. To, to back up Dave's point, I, I remember and I used to circle it. And when the season or when our schedule would come out at BYU, I would go right to the Air Force game and I would start promoting that game to our players the minute it came off the presses. Um, and that became literally one of the most exciting and formidable games that they look forward to. Uh, but that comes from the leader, right? And and presenting it as a huge opportunity rather than, oh, we have to go do this and play. And so really just how it's presented back to what Dave was saying is such a huge point. And man, when you play well against one of those teams, there's a sense of accomplishment that is well-earned. And and that's a, that's a huge marker for a program. And the big difference was a year ago, we won that game 70 to 56. And I think only half of our football team felt like they played in a winning football game. And what was so rewarding this year is our whole football team felt like they played in a winning football game. Um, I, I'm deeply appreciative that we, that we are able to have this kind of stuff to be able to kind of clip in here and, and add to our, our whole package. I think it's a really valuable uh podcast to add to to your uh your audio diet because it's something that i don't think really exists in in the the, the college football-ish ecosystem right now as as far as podcasts are concerned um i mean, i got another we got another exciting week coming up 
we've 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 got we've got some we've got some some cool interviews not just on head coach you but uh across connect and, and some of the work here that we're doing i have uh a story that i hope to be able to share next week about mascots that is deeply extra points that i i, I can't wait to share right we want to get that juxtaposition of serious professional and very stupid and I think that this, the, the, some of the things we're tracking here will fall into that. Uh, and uh, you can find what we're doing on Clutch Sports Connect on extrapointsmb.com. I would just very quickly ask, if you like the show, do us a favor. Tell other people you like the show. Whether that is with giving us fancy reviews on those algorithms as we try to appease those overlords. Or, hey, drop a link in the Reddit. Tweet a link. Tell your tell your your coworkers, tell the other your your colleagues here in the industry. Hey, you know these guys are doing something different. That's not so bad. You you should you should you should add that here. Not so bad, right? The very very midwestern high praise. Um, that helps a lot because word of mouth is how almost all of our ecosystem has grown, and that makes it easier for us to go to our boss and say, hey. Stop making us do other stuff. We got to keep making going for two, or we got to go do other stuff here for going for two. We can make a better show with your support. Brian, anything else real quick that you want to plug before I let these fine people go and enjoy their weekend? Well, no, hopefully if uh, you enjoyed that uh, little clip there of Head Coach U, you'll, you'll subscribe. we got a great uh, great episode coming uh, your way on Monday. That is in a separate feed. Uh, we're we're going to kind of back away from from these now that you've gotten a little sampler platter of, of Head Coach U, both the Chris Peterson episode last week and Dave Clawson this week. We've got another uh, Head Coaches uh, lined up. So I, I think if, if you want to subscribe to more of that, be sure to uh, to jump into that feed. Um, and as always, you know, the, the D1 ticker is the place for uh, both of our work. It, it always shows up there. It's uh, yeah. basically your your Favorite '80s, uh, favorite morning email, and uh, favorite email to read before they uh, they kind of go home in the afternoon as well. So a lot of the stuff going there. We got uh, got some big things happening. A crazy weekend in college football coming up. I'm sure we'll end up discussing uh, a little bit of that on next week's show as well. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, I'm definitely staying busy, and I think everybody else out there is too. And so I'm I'm excited to uh, to bring it all here, uh, bring it all back and and, and tied off in, into a bow here. I'm going for two. It'll be, it'll be fun. So go watch some football. Maybe go pick some apples or something on Sunday. We'll get, we'll, we'll, we'll be back and help uh, help you digest everything when we come back here next week. Thanks for listening. We'll catch up with y'all soon.